Thanks for checking out Church on the Rock's message this week. We would love to help you take your next step in knowing God better. The best way to do that is visit cotr.org slash next steps. Or if you're not near our physical campus, visit our online community at cotr.org slash online. Enjoy the message and know that God is for you. When he travels, he is flagged by the TSA as a targeted man. To avoid his new endearment for the homeland security, he shaves his beard twice a day. When he smiles, you can't stop yourself from smiling the rest of your day. The New York Times commented, he had the audience convulsing. He insists that his biggest credit is that he is a husband and a father. You feel encouraged by being in his presence. Entertainment is not his calling, it's his life. Join me as we meet the funniest man on this side of Egypt. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Please have a seat. Thank you so much. What a blessing to be back with you. This church is growing. Amen. I'm afraid you're going to get so big when you call the prayer hotline, you get a guy from India to pray with you. (laughs) It's so, you know, I just want to start saying, you know, thank you for the generosity of Pastor David and Kim. You're so generous. You're so kind. I love this church. I don't know why you put a ticket booth right on stage. I have no idea. But if you don't know me, I am from the Middle East, but ever since September 11th, I feel so Mexican. <laughs> and I will tell you how nice Pastor David is. If I had the same beard he has, because you are the kindest looking man with a beard like this, normally like the Harley, the, just so beautiful. Can you imagine me with a beard like that, running at the airport? <laughs> Oh, you're not going to go, oh, I hope he makes his connection. No, you're going to tackle me. Because at the airport, if you've been lately, they keep saying, repeating that statement, do not accept anything from a stranger. (laughs) You've heard that at the airport, yeah. Can you imagine me with this beard coming to you and say, hey, I have this backpack. Can you go across security for me? Because I can't. It will be, but it will look bad. My friend there, the turban, just give it to him and tell him it's from me. I don't know, but I, but I was here last time. It was an honor. One friend, I forgot their name, but they said, Nazareth, would you come back to the spirit of St. Louis, and we're going to get you tickets to see the Air Force F-16 fly. <laughs> I'm from the Middle East, people. I don't pay cover. <laughs> I take cover when I see an F-16. <laughs> But it's so good. And I love the technology in this church. I mean, you got the crypto. You you guys are in the virtual reality. That's amazing. I remember the days when we used to save our data in a floppy disk. Remember? Then it became a hard drive. Then it became in the cloud. Our data is in the cloud. And some people are scared. I don't want my data in the cloud. I want to comfort you this morning. When Jesus rose from the dead, he went in the clouds. And Jesus saves. And one day he's coming back in the clouds. So your data is saved with Jesus in the clouds. 
But Jesus likes Microsoft. He doesn't like Apple. I know. I'm a mad guy. Because the Bible said when you tithe, God is going to open the windows of heaven, not the max of heaven. Because he doesn't like their logo. The apple with a bite, that's where sin entered the world. But uh, I, I, I love the Lord. I'm, uh, I love Jesus. I asked the Lord once, Lord, how good of a Christian am I? Don't ever do that. Because God is going to prank you. I'm serious. I mean, uh, I said that the next day I'm at a big church in Houston, Texas. 400 performers doing the passion play, you know, from the birth of Christ till his resurrection. So I finished my comedy. I'm backstage. And here comes Jesus, the actor. Six foot four, long brown hair. Looks better than the guy from The Chosen. Have you seen that Jesus? That looks like Jesus. Man, if this guy starts a cult, I'm following him. He looks more like Jesus than Jesus. But this guy has long brown hair, blue eyes. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm looking at him. I'm like, wow, can I touch the hem of your garment? And he, he looks at me. He goes, you weirdo. What do you want? I go, that's not how Jesus talks. I go, so what's your name? He goes, I'm Jesus. I'm like, okay, I studied acting. You got to stay in character. I said, okay, Jesus, do you attend the church? He said, no, I'm a hired model. They hired me for this. I'm like, don't they have good-looking people in the church to play Jesus? And he goes, I need the money. That's why they hired me. I'm like, okay, where do you go to church, Jesus? Wouldn't you want to know? <laughs> he goes, oh, I'm not a Christian. I don't go to church. True story. So I started witnessing to Jesus. I said, you need you. Do you know who your father is? <laughs> and he got nervous. He goes, oh, I got to go get resurrected. No, you can't. Read the book. Read the book. And I didn't think about it till uh, about, you know, a week later, I was doing a missions conference. And missionaries are the kindest people in the world, except for the guy that was sitting next to me. He was so proud. He was like, Nazareth, I got to witness to the prince of Denmark. I'm like, I witnessed to Jesus. <laughs> so watch out what you pray for. Don't worry, some of you are sitting there, and I have a message for you today that's going to make you shake your head. It's about the joy of the Lord. So don't worry, we're going to get there. And this message is for every single person. You pay attention today because this message is going to hit you because I've been praying to the Holy Spirit to do that. So it's going to hit you. But I want to tell you, I believe in the power of prayer. I used to be a comedian in Hollywood. I used to work with Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, Kevin James, all these guys. And, and uh, NBC was writing a sitcom for me called Fish Out of Water, Middle Eastern Man in America. And everything was doing great. The drugs, the alcohol, everything was great, except I was empty inside. And then one day, a friend of mine, a comedian, invited me to church. I went to church, and God changed everything. I found exactly what I was looking for, and I quit comedy for a week because my pastor said, you can do that for his glory now. But I was single. Do we have single people here? I was single. And I said, Lord, you know more girls than I do. So I'm going to make you a deal. You know, I will not watch pornography. I will not date. I will not touch a woman. I will not lie to a woman. But I want a beautiful wife with a rich father that memorize the entire Bible, but let your will be done. <laughs> and I waited. A year later came Valentine's Day. No date, nothing. I said, Lord, she doesn't have to have a rich father. You'll take care of us. 
beautiful and the New Testament is fine with me. Another year I started losing hair. It's painful on a man. We need a grief ministry for men who are losing their follicles. I'm like, Lord, you know what? She doesn't have to be beautiful, just okay. And the book of John is fine with me. Another year I started gaining weight. And guys, we gain it right here, right? When you start erasing your phone messages without touching it, you can't hear it ring. Pizza Hut, I didn't call you, my fat called you. While you're at it, make it a large pepperoni and hurry up. I said, Lord, John 3.16, bring her over. I'll witness to her. And I waited. And then came that evil day called Valentine's Day. And you're single. It's like, okay, Lord, you know what? Uh, what am I going to do now? And then my dad was dying at Hogue Hospital, Newport Beach, 1995. He said, son, when I die, would you go to Israel for me? I said, sure. He said, would you go to the Gaza Strip for me? I said, no. I don't want to go. You know, the fighting. The I don't want to go. But I did. And I flew into Tel Aviv when dad passed away. I drove to the Gaza Strip. The first night I'm there, I'm sitting with my cousin, his fiance, and her sister. And my cousin looks at me. He goes, you look happy. What's wrong with you? You're in the Gaza Strip, man. That's a trigger word for me. I said, you know why? Jesus changed my life. He gave me a reason to live. I used to be like an old car that keeps breaking down. Now I'm that same old car, but I'm married to a mechanic, and I have AAA. And my cousin got mad. He goes, don't listen to him. He's a born-again Christian. And, you know, uh, his sister, her sister looks at me. She goes, me too. And I look at her. I go, she's gorgeous. I said, would you like to marry me? She goes, I've been praying for, for a believer to come to this side of the world for three years. Let me fast and pray for three days. I'll get back to you. Three days later, she came back. She goes, I'm starving. Let's do it. True story, God answers prayers. We were engaged within five days. And if you wait on God and you do it his way and you believe in the prayer that, and you don't compromise, God will answer it. And he did. 26 and a half years, people. I love this woman more today than when I met her. And it's just, it, it just amazing. Now, how many of you are married? Married, okay, how many of you married over 40 years? Over 40, what did you need to get married? A marriage license, $20. Any 16-year-old here applied for a driver's license? You know what you need for a driver's license? You need to go take a driving course. Then you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, get the booklet, memorize all the signs, the traffic signs. Then you have to drive with a professional for six hours. And then maybe sit with someone who's been driving for a long time, and then you go do the physical test. Marriage license, 20 bucks. I think we should make it difficult so marriage is going to last. Because women are ready to get married, men are not. You know, we need, you know, first of all, if you're, you need to watch 20 hours of Hallmark movies <laughs> until you learn how to cry while watching a movie. <laughs> then 20 more hours of divorce court so you know what not to do. <laughs> and then you have to learn all the marriage signs, like yield, you know, stop. Mother-in-law crossing, proceed with care. <laughs> 
And that blank sign, people, guys, that blank sign, you need to know what it says. What is this? What is this? Is there a bridge? Is there something? Did they do something wrong two years ago? I don't know. Am I going to get a ticket? You got to know that sign. And then after you do that, you have to do the physical test. There's four physical tests. The snoring test. Yes, single ladies, you don't live with a guy until you're married. So you have to trust him saying he snores or not. So he has to do the snoring test to find out. Number two, the hearing test. Ladies, once you get married, the man can't hear you anymore. (laughs) We don't hear very well after marriage. Honey, I told you yesterday, and you said, yeah, 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 you were shaking your head. I didn't hear you. And the Easter egg hunt test, because once we get married, man, we can't find anything. My wife said, can you get me that peanut butter jar? Uh, it's in the pantry. I opened the pantry. I'm like, oh, I think it's, uh, we need more. It's gone. You know, somebody took and moved it. Uh, she goes, it's right here. <laughs> wow, you're a magician. <laughs> and then you do the mind reading test. And once you pass all that, you do the physical test where you, your spouse-to-be will sit next to you in the car and show you how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and if you still want to be married after that, you can do the marriage license, right? Because it used to be easy to be romantic. We just celebrated well. It used to be easy to be romantic. All you had to do is beat your wife's best friend's husband's gift. That's all, honey. Uh, Sue's husband got her two dozen roses. You buy her four, now you're done. No, now we have social media. I have to get up at 5 in the morning on Valentine. Don't tell my wife. I know her password. I just go in and delete some people. (laughs) I'm taking my wife to Italy just because. Pam, (laughs) eight dozen roses. Why? Report. (laughs) Because my wife, I love my wife to death, but she knows everything. I, I can't hide anything. The other day, I got her a gift. I'm still driving. She calls me. She goes, you were at Costco, right? I go, yeah. She goes, did you get the blue one or the red one? Ah, how do you know? She goes, we have the same credit card. I can't, I can't surprise her. One, one time, I did a surprise party for her. Trust me, true story. I'm not making this up. I, uh, I did that. She found out. She changed the color of the balloons. She uninvited people. I invited to the thing. Changed the cake. By the time I got to the surprise party, I was surprised. And I don't know what to get her. I'm serious. I don't know what to get her. Uh, one time I said, you know what? There's a place called Glen Ivy next to our home. They have like spa and they have some mud bath and lunch. I go, oh, we'll go, me and her. We'll have lunch. We'll sit in the mud bath. It'll be a nice day together. So I got her the gift. She took her sister. <laughs> I'm not making this up. She took her sister. So I said, you know what, honey? I'm done. I'm done. Here's the credit cards. You buy whatever you want. It's from me. Last month, I looked at the bill. Oh, I was so romantic last month. Because I love to take, you know, my wife, you know, we have three kids that really suck the energy out of my wife. All day, it's like a sweatshop. She's working for free with them. And by the, when we go on a date, you know what? The minute I get on the on-ramp on the date, she's fast asleep. That's all we do on a date. I drive around, she's sleeping. 
and her head, her neck gives up, so her neck goes to the right. So I turn, I lock the car, then it turns to the right, and I'm holding it. And you know, I'm driving, I'm like, oh, this poor baby, she needs to, to sleep. And then every 10 minutes she wakes up, like, watch out! <laughs> For what? For the cars! I was, while you were sleeping. I was driving, and I was watching. <laughs> then five minutes later, like, watch out! And she goes back to sleep. It's like a haunted house. You know something scary is coming. <laughs> but I love this woman. Oh, let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your answer prayer. We thank you, Lord, that we, we can able to just uh, take every thought captive, every thought captive. And, uh, and that's what we want to talk about today. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this church that's teaching your word and doing that long of worship that's just so needed in such a time as this. So we love you. We thank you for the worship team in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to read you from a story from the book of Nehemiah. And, um, and it's, it's in Nehemiah 1, it says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hashaliah. It came to pass in the month of Shizlev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. You know why it says, why does the Bible give you the month, the time, who was there, who was in charge with that? Because it's not a fairy tale. It's not once upon a time. It's true. Everything is true. Everything is proven in the Word of God. If I tell you, you know what? I was here on, on March 19, 2023. I was at the Church on the Rock in St. Peter's, Missouri, and Pastor David and Pastor Kim were to my left, and this wonderful couple was to my right, and then there was a, this box back there, and this was this big screen behind me. You know what? I'm not making this up, right? This is true, and that's why the Bible is true. So whatever it tells you is true. Yes, it's true that God left heaven and became a man and lived on this earth for, you know, perfect, without sin, and then he went to the cross. Yes, Jesus went, was on the cross. Yes, Jesus gave the ghost. Yes, Jesus was on the earth for three days. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, Jesus is coming back. This is true. This is not made up. Whatever you read in one year Bible, it is true. God said it. It's true. It's going to happen. Nobody can stop it. Trust me. Nobody can stop God. He is still in charge. He is still in control. In Matthew 28, he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. You know how much more confident we need to know that. Whenever you're, saying, you're reading the news, go, oh, no, oh, no, shake your head. No, God has overcome the world. He is in control. He is in charge. So anyway, so Nehemiah goes to the king, tells the king what's going on in his town. God, uh, you know, the king said, okay, you can go. You can take whatever you need and go back uh, to your Jerusalem and build the wall. And then in Nehemiah 8, 5 and 10, it says, and Ezra Ezra, the priest that went before Nehemiah, and they went back to Jerusalem, and Nehemiah is there, and, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people when he opened it, and all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. 
Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. What a great way to, to be in a place where they're teaching the Word of God. And people are really moved and touched and, and, and just really in, in responding to the Word of God. And also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akob, Shabbatai, Hadajiah, Masaiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jubad, Hanan, Peliah, and Bob. No, there's no Bob. And the Levites. If you're having a baby, those are good names to pick from. But the Bible tells, gives you names. Why? We have all these people. Because it's true. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people say to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Some wept because that's what they're praying for. Lord, let's rebuild Jerusalem. And there were people who were weeping because when they read the word of God, their sins, they're like, oh, sh shoot, I messed up. Oh, it's horrible. And then they're, they're weeping, and everybody's weeping. So Nehemiah comes and says, hey, 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 do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We hear that so much. The joy of the Lord is my strength. What does that mean? You know, one of the greatest things God gave us is the ability to shift our thoughts. To shift our thoughts. The ability to hold, to hold every thought captive. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we're casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought captive. Thoughts of fear, thoughts of anger, thoughts of lust, thoughts of greed, thoughts of bitterness, evil thoughts. All these thoughts, the thoughts that you think about, you can hold it captive. And you can shift and shake your head. And that's what I want you to do to, starting today. Just shake your head and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to think about that. Oh, no, no, no. That's not me. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to think about the Lord. You know, you're, you're having these temptations, those lustful thoughts. And, and you're like, oh, I can't. And you go, no, 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 no. My God is holy. I can't think about that. You know, when, when you're watching social media and you're, and you're going, uh, especially if you're a young, a youth, like, oh, man, everybody's beautiful and having fun. I'm ugly. Look at me. Oh, I'm horrible. I'm not having fun. Look at everybody is enjoying that. And you go, this is horrible. And you shake your head. The Bible has a great, when you're tempted, you're tempted to, you know, to do something wrong. You're tempted to, to lie on your taxes. When, and you go, oh, I can't put my real income. And then you go, no, 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 no. I trust the Lord because the Lord will take care of me. I have to be honest. I have to do that. I'm a... I'm going to give you guys, especially if we have youth here, I'm going to give you this filter. This is a beautiful filter that really you have to, to use whenever you are, you know, in any situation where your mind thinking, let's go to Philippians 4. And in Philippians 4, it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue and there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Oh, Lord. Oh, but everybody, everybody's making money and I, am, I have no money whatsoever. Everybody's doing great. Everybody's dating and I'm not. Everybody is happy and I'm not. Is this a true thought? No. Boom. Shake your head. 
you know what? You're thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe we can live together before marriage because financially it doesn't make sense. And me, we can have sex together because you know what? Uh, we're going to get married one day. Shake your head. It does not. It's not noble. It's not, uh, it's not just. No. Uh, you know what? Did you see this lady at church the other day? She was doing this and this, and she thinks she's godly. But if you know about is this noble? Is this something good to think about? Shake your head. Say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. You know, young people, you're on social media all day. Look at that. Is this true? Is this really, really, really? Is this it? Are you really the worst person in the world? No, you're not. So that's what brings you anxiety. When you get into anxiety, you're always thinking of all these wrong things and, le- and meditating on it. And the Bible said, no, no, no. Don't do any of that. Shake your head. You know, uh, Spurgeon, see, uh, uh, Spurgeon was a great, they called him the prince of, of preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, he's a British guy, and, and he said this, and I quote, he is happy because there's a God, he's talking about the believer, and because of God's person and character, that become a wellsprings of joy to the thoughtful, contemplative believer, for such a man says within his soul, all these attributes of my God are mine. When, and, and he said, his power is my protection. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever felt scared? Have you ever felt in danger? And instead of just dwelling on the thought, you shake your head and said, Jesus' power is my protection. His wisdom is my guidance. You know, when you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And you look at the world, and, you, and the Bible said the wisdom of the world is foolishness unto God. And you go, Lord, you said, unto us a child is born, and to us a son is giving, and the government will be upon his children, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor. Oh, a counselor. I get a free counselor. And when Jesus said, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, he's going to help you, and he's going to guide you in all truth. And you're going, Lord, you are my guidance. I need your wisdom. Instead of going, ah, I don't know what to do. Ah, maybe I can't do anything. No, he is your guidance. What should I do in this situation? Ask him. Ask him. Before you go to the books, ask him. His faithfulness is my foundation. His grace is my salvation. He's a God who cannot lie, faithful and true to his promise. He is all love and at the same time, infinitely just and supremely holy. He's holy, a close quote. So that's, that's how you become strong. You're thinking of something like, oh, this is horrible. I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened. And then you remember the Lord, and you start thinking of who God is. And all of a sudden, joy starts seeping into your life. And when that seeps into your life, you feel strong. And people go, how can you? Didn't you just lose your loved one? Didn't this just happen? Didn't you just lose your job? Didn't this just happen to you? How come you're, you look okay? You say, because the joy of the Lord is what's giving me strength. That's the joy of the Lord. That's when you make that decision. You say, I'm going to hold every thought captive. I'm not going to continue to think of that. I'm going to shake my head, and I'm going to move on. That's what I'm going to do. And, that, and when you feel fearful, you remember 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that's always shift their thoughts into God's, who God is and what God is able to do. Because a lot of times, sometimes you think this thought and you go, you know, ah, you know what? Maybe I'm not a Christian. 
Maybe I'm not. Maybe, you know, I, I, I know I was walking with the Lord. I know I surrendered my life to Christ. I know I was baptized. I know I, I felt the Holy Spirit. And, but lately, I've been just thinking all these bad thoughts. Lately, I haven't been excited about the Bible. Lately, I've been doing this. And you start dwelling on that miserable thought. And the Bible said, wait, Romans 8, 38, 39. For I'm persuaded that neither death no life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor nothing present, nor nothing to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where are you, State Farm? How can you have a policy like that? <laughs> See, God could have said it just quickly in the word. It's like, okay, you know, nothing, nothing can separate you. But he gives you all these details. No death, no life, no nothing, no power, no evil thing. Nothing can separate you. So you know what? When you're thinking, you know, as a believer, maybe I'm not. The Bible says, shut up. <laughs> shut up. It's not about your feelings. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're putting your faith and trust in him, that's it. You are saved. You're saved. You don't have to dwell. Get back in the world. Get back in fellowship. Get back in church. That's what I do it. There's no... But sometimes we, we, we kind of put our... We think joy is happiness. Joy is not happiness. My pastor for 20 years was Pastor Chuck Smith of the Calvary Chapel. And he said something very interesting. He said, joy is an experience of my spirit, independent in, of my outward circumstances. Happiness which is an experience of my soul, completely dependent on my outward circumstances. So happiness depending on something that happens, you know, in circumstances, but joy is something in my spirit. For example, let's see, and this happened uh, last time in California. One guy bought a $2 lottery ticket. I don't play the lotto. If God wants me to win, he can make me win without it. He can do that if he wants me to win. But this guy won $1.2 billion. $1.2 billion dollars. Picture that guy driving to Sacramento, the capital, California, for seven hours to get his money. Now there's traffic, and he stopped in traffic, and someone hits him in a bumper, you know, a bumper, just a small hit. And You think he'll be upset? You think he'll get out of the car going, ah, what's wrong with you? It's like, doesn't matter. I'm going to pick up 1.2 billion dollars. See, when you think of what the outcome is going to be, what the future looks like, the little things that happen every day might not bother you anymore. When you know one day you're going to spend eternity with the Lord, neither, no death, no life, no fear, you shake your head and say, Haha, I'm not going to let this get me. I'm excited about the Lord. You know, some of you, and this is hard, some of you were molested when you were a child. Nobody knows that. Somebody were, you were abused, you were taken advantage of, and you never shared that with anybody. And you're hurting inside. You're hurting. And these thoughts occasionally come to you. And you start feeling, I'm horrible. And you blame yourself. And you go, I'm dirty. I'm ugly. I'm horrible. How did I let this happen? Even though I was a child, how did I let this happen? How did I let, maybe I was a teen. How did they let them take advantage of me? I want you to know, shake your head and say, my Jesus think I'm his princess. He loves me. He died for me. He keeps my tears in a bottle. He knows the numbers of my heart. He has a beautiful promise, a future for me where there's no tears, no fear. None of that thought will happen. 
And you start thinking that way. And when you think that way, right away, you have that joy. And that joy gives you strength. And you become strong. And you go, okay, this happened. I know I couldn't change it. But you know what? I decide to live for the Lord. And you know what? I'm going to start going and helping young girls and young boys who've been through that. I'm going to do something about it. That's how you do that. Maybe you're the predator. Maybe you're the perpetrator. And you came to Christ, and you surrendered your life completely to the Lord. And, and you still, these thoughts hit you and go, I am a horrible man. I don't think God will ever forgive me. There's no way I can, I can uh, do that. And the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I was 28 when I came to Christ. I've done things in my life, you know, lustful and stuff. And, uh, that, and so once in a while, it hits you. That's why, if you're a young person, surrender completely to Christ now. Because sometimes these thoughts stick with you. And when that happens, you shake your head and say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, some of you right now, thinking, and you're dwelling in the thought, and it's bothering you because you know there's no, there's no solid foundation to it. Say, I'm a good person. I go to church. I give money to the poor. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm going to make it to heaven. I think I will make it to heaven. Would you today shake your head and say, no, no, no. It is by grace through faith you have been saved. It's a gift from God. Not by works, lest anyone brag on both. It is a gift from God. It comes from the Lord. It's not from you. It's not by how good you are because the Bible said we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that our hearts are exceedingly wicked. But God is able to give you a new heart and God is able today, today to change your eternity. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? If you're here this morning in, you're not sure. You have these thoughts that comfort you but it's because it's not true it doesn't come for you for too long, would you shake your head and say, you know what, if I really want to have the assurance of salvation, I have to put my faith and trust on what Jesus did for me. Jesus, God himself became a man, lived a perfect life on this earth. And in due time, he obediently went to the cross. And in that cross, he took the punishment that you and I deserve for breaking the commandments of a holy God. Yes, we deserve death for the wages of sin is death. But because of God's love, God is not only a good judge that will judge sin. He's also a loving God. That's why he sent Jesus, his son, to die on our behalf and take that punishment that we have an, the ability to be saved by putting our faith and trust in what he did for us. And that he rose from the dead, that we can have life. And if that's you this morning and you're not sure, say, Naz, pray for me. Pray for me. I know I can't do it on my own. I need him. And today, I want to surrender my life to him. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. Let me see it. God bless you. Anybody else? Let me see it. I want to see your hand. Where are you? Anybody? Are you sure? Everybody who's sitting down with your hands down, back there, God bless you. Beyond the shadow of doubt, if you die today or tomorrow or anywhere, are you going to make it to heaven? 
Are you sure? Because if you're not sure, you, can't, you don't want to take chances with this. This is eternity. Forever and ever and ever. See, God is a good father. See, when my kids go to school, me and their mom, we don't say maybe we'll pick you up from school. Maybe if we feel like it. No. They know beyond any doubt when that bell rings, mom or dad is going to be there. And we're earthly parents. God is a heavenly father. He gave us assurance beyond any doubt that if you put your faith and trust in him, you'll be saved. So if you're not sure today, say, I don't sure if we're going to make it to heaven. Help me, Naz. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Would you slip your hand up? If you didn't yet, slip it up. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, young person. Oh, God bless you. I'd love to see you. God bless you back there. Uh, let me see. Anybody there? This side. God bless you back there. God bless you all the way in the back. Oh, praise God. Pray this prayer with me. The prayer by itself doesn't do anything. But if you mean it from your heart, God will start to work. Say, Lord, forgive me. I failed you. But this morning, I come to you. And I ask you to come into my life. To be my Lord. To be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross. For my sins. And thank you that you rose again from the dead that I can have life and victory over the things that hold me back thank you for forgiving me I want to turn from the way I'm living and follow you all the days of my life for in Jesus name I pray amen and amen and amen if you prayed that prayer welcome to the family of God they're going to be leaders and pastors here. After we're done, you come forward and pray with them. And if you're a believer, you know when to shake your head. Amen? I'm Nazareth. Thank you so much. God bless you. What is your next step in your faith? Well, here at Church on the Rock, we would love to help you. Maybe it's to learn more about discovering what it means to belong to a church family, being part of a small group, or using your God-given gifts to serve others. Head over to cotr.org slash next steps where you can find out more to all of these. Or if you're a part of our online community, visit us at cotr.org slash online. Have a great week and don't forget that God is for you.